Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I love this. You should, too. I'm Samantha, and across from me is a very beardy, quarantined indie. I'm so beardy and quarantined. Yeah. I, I don't even see the sun anymore. I just no. sit there on my computer editing photos and podcasts all day. In the dark. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? What's What's happening in your life? What's happening? Uh, not very much, because I just kind of hang out. I don't have to wear a mask because I don't leave the house, so my beard is very big because it doesn't need to be contained by a mask anymore. And if you don't leave the house, who needs to groom? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How about you? How's it going? I'm good. I'm uh, not on a work-from-home week, so I have to leave the house. But uh, it's a big, wide world out there, and uh, the sun isn't down before i leave work now so it's much nicer it's a big wide world out there folks yeah you sound like a 12 year old with leukemia (laughs) just getting all philosophical about like look at that world where do i fit in do any of us really fit in anywhere and that's what we're here to talk about today we are going to be talking about the 2005 movie the sisterhood of the traveling pants not the book I did look into the book a little bit because I thought last week, oh, I'll read the book for the podcast. And then I found out there's five books. Yes. And I'm a completionist. So I knew if I started it, I would have to read all of them. So I thought it's better not to. I thought about that too, but I didn't get the hold until today. And I was like, I don't think I can make it through a whole book today. No, that's probably a bad idea. So this was your pick for me to watch, Mm -hmm. but also you haven't seen it in a long time. So before we get to my opinions, you loved it as a teenager. What did you think of it this time around? It was okay. Just okay? Yeah, I think I'm not in love with it anymore because I think I am far out of the demographic that this movie was meant for. I guess, but you you grew up with it. So I thought it would kind of... uh, that nostalgia would still hold a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought it would hold a little bit more too, but it, uh, it was good. It looked really nice because there were so many cool places that they traveled to, but um, it didn't ultimately leave me with that feeling that I remembered of like friendship and happiness. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. What about you? You watched this for the first time and you were quite excited to watch it. Did you love this? On this podcast, I definitely present myself as like a man who's in his 30s because of the movies I pick and what we talk about. (laughs) But uh, what our listeners probably don't know is I share a lot of personality traits with 16-year-old girls. (laughs) So I was very excited to see this. I don't think I loved it, but I like this movie. Okay. I, I had fun watching this movie. You did. And if people say... Do you like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> so that's as much as I can say. I okay. think it is a movie, the more we talk about it, the less it holds up. Because <laughs> it's not great in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm feeling right now is like, there's some things that are not great in it. I think I like it because I like them. Yes. I can't say I love it because it's not like actually a good movie in a lot of ways. Like if you're looking at it, how we judge a lot of the movies Mm -hmm. on this podcast, it doesn't hold up in all those ways, but it's still fun. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear what else you think about it because um, it was fun to watch. I think we had a lot of fun 
the night that we sat down to watch it. And um, I just think that there were some, like, tones and themes throughout it that just, like, didn't sit well with me as an adult. And I rewatched a bunch of it today because it's been a while since we watched it. It's been, like, almost a week. So I was making my notes and I was going over it, and I definitely liked it less today. So I'm going to try to go back to how excited I was (laughs) and how much I was laughing that first time I watched it. So starting off, Overall, before we get into all of the stories, what do you like about this movie still? Um, I think it's a fun premise. I think that um, a lot of children are kind of parted from their best friends during the summer, and uh, they kind of long for something that'll kind of keep their group of friends together. And I think that this is such a fun premise for keeping a group of friends together that... Um, I I could totally see this being, like, a 13-year-old girl's dream, right? Like, one pair of pants, and we're going to send it back and forth. We're going to remain best friends forever. And I think that's super fun. So that was definitely one thing um, that I still really enjoyed about it. I think rich people all over the world right now are listening going, like, yeah, but the rest of us are like, what do you mean, like, summer friends and non-summer <laughs> friends? Because we just kind of stay in the same place usually. True. <laughs> Have you seen the sequel? Probably when it first came out, but it didn't stick with me as much. I don't really have much desire to see that because I hear it's not as good as this one. And this, I feel like the more I examine it, the less I like it. So I thought like, I'll just not. But I was looking into the sequel and then I saw, I think it's called Sisterhood Forever or Eternal? Sisterhood Eternal which is, I think, the fifth book has been optioned for a movie. Really? So that's on IMDb. But also, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 3 and Alexis Bledel Attached is also on there. As But they're listed as two separate movies, which seems weird. Oh, I wonder if that's wrong or if they are planning on doing a third and the final. That would be weird. Because it would make sense at this point, because all of these actresses are adults now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make sense for them to do, like, a final movie where they're kind of, like, adults and they go back. Kind of like the Gilmore Girls reboot where they go back home and they right. feel all those same feelings. And you But know. I think you can do one movie like that. Yeah. Because from what I understand in the books, the last one is 10 years after and they're adults. So that would be... If they do that, I will totally go watch that movie. Yeah. I'd be very excited to see them all as adults. And maybe they have kids of their own. And that's like this whole cycle is starting up again. That would be fun. But you can't take the characters at their ages and just have them be kids again. I hope they're not thinking that. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) I hope not. Because, yeah, the only way that a reboot of this would work is if they're adults and they have kids. Or or they're like 30-something adults who don't have kids. Yeah, I I definitely watch that. Oh, for sure. Like a reunion movie. I just watched the third installment of Bill and Ted last night. (laughs) And that was actually very fun to see. I wasn't like a huge fan of it when it came out because I was like five or whatever. But I I liked it quite a bit, the first one. So it was really cool to see where they took that movie with them being older. Hmm. It's not, again, not a good movie. I really liked a lot of it, though. (laughs) But let's get into this one. So... I think one of the first things I liked about it was was the idea of the pants or the message of the pants. Because there's a good little message about Mm. accepting your body type and all of that. But I think it's overall symbolic of their friendship. Because it 
changes for all of them and it accepts all of them for who they are just as they try to accept all each other for for who they are yeah and these four girls are very different are they i think so wait are we talking bodies now or who they are personalities okay because they're saying like we have such different body types it's like eh, one of you has a different body type yeah um I, I think that as people, they are very different, and it's fun that they're still friends from birth. And I think that this is kind of, um, I can't remember how old they're supposed to be, but this is kind 16. of- 16. 16, okay. So this is like a moment in time where you kind of split off from your childhood friends and start to make more like mature friends and find people who have like very similar interests to you. And I think that this is kind of fun to- reassure younger girls that their original friends or like their childhood friends will like always be there for them yeah kind of a weird transitional time in your life what about things you didn't like just overall i'm sure we'll get into them as we go through the stories but thematically were the things that you weren't as big a fan of um i think all the statutory rape all the statutory rape uh um i think and this could just be like a 16-year-old girl thing, but uh, some of the attitudes that they had towards things were kind of weird. And maybe that's because I'm an adult now and I like can see what it's like to be a 16-year-old girl, but also have like distance from it. Right. So I just thought that like I understood um, Carmen, America Ferrera's character's kind of angst because her dad walked out and then he's expecting her to be part of this like perfect family and then she realizes that there isn't a place for her and she takes it out on him and like yes a 16 year old would react like that but as an adult I'm like oh, it was a little harsh and like throwing a rock at the window and everything but if I put myself in that 16 year old pair of pants um, I could totally see someone reacting like that. So I think as an adult, a lot of these things kind of don't make sense to me from like an adult rational point of view. But as if I pretend I'm 16, I think a lot of their attitudes and everything makes sense. But I didn't enjoy it as much as an adult. Yeah, that makes sense. I will get into all of those moments later. But I think overall, some of the things that I was disappointed in, I wish there was more time of the four of them together. Mm -hmm. I know that's not a fair criticism because that's the point of the movie is them separate. But if they had been together longer at the beginning to establish who they were, because this movie is about them growing and changing apart from each other, but I wasn't entirely clear who they were to begin with. Right. And I felt they needed more time altogether to establish that. I didn't like that three of the four stories were about their relationships with men, even though one of them is their father. But like, mm -hmm. there's two romances, which I feel like you didn't need. I would have loved to have seen more more friendships amongst the girls. Like maybe one of them makes a new friend. Or I guess there is the one with the, the younger girl. Yes. But that story wasn't about that friendship as much as like a teaching opportunity, mm -hmm. which we'll get into as well. But... I think I just would have loved to have seen less romance and more friendship. Mm -hmm. No, I can I can see what you're what you're saying with that. That it definitely would have been a better movie if we'd seen them all together and if they'd spent the summer together and just done like little trips or something where they're apart for a little bit. But yeah, you do definitely miss out on them as a group of friends. I really enjoyed it at the beginning when they're all kind of talking over each other mm -hmm. and they seemed like friends. 
it seemed sometimes like bad improv, but then I think about it and it's like, that's just kind of how teenagers are. That is a little awkward, right? So yeah. I think they were probably just kind of being themselves for a lot of those scenes. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I wonder how much of it was actually scripted and how much they were just kind of playing around with things. But that was some of the best stuff I thought. I like that you can't hear a single line for the first 15 minutes because everyone's yeah. talking over each other and constantly. That's such a teenage girl thing. And when they get the pants, they make all these rules because that's like a thing you it's, do, yeah. As, right? Yeah, definitely making rules and making like friendship promises and stuff like that and talking over each other. And I think that my book club as like a 32-year-old woman, my book club is still exactly the same as that because we just talk over each other and we all have like the same inside jokes and it's super funny. But I think that that's something that some people never grow out of. In your book club, though, you're allowed to wash your pants? Yes, we we wash our pants. Um, We don't have any shared clothing, although we do have matching sweatshirts. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's like grown-up sisterhood of the traveling pants. <laughs> What's your favorite rule? Of the sweatshirts? No, of the traveling oh. pants. <laughs> <laughs> of the traveling pants, I think my favorite rule, I can't even remember all the rules now. No double cuffing. Oh, yeah, that's a good rule. You can't let anyone else take them off you, only you can take them off. I liked that one. And then they like look at Bridget and be like, that's for you. And I was like, well, that's a little mean. You didn't need to point her out like that, but all right, it's all fun. (laughs) No tucking your shirt in. I remember that one. No uh, washing them. No washing them. Yeah, that's, I I object to that rule. Yeah. Especially because you're in Greece or Mexico in August. It's so sweaty. Yeah. And she wears them, like, to the beach, too. So she probably got them wet. At the beginning. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to know how, like, crunchy and, like, stiff those pants are. Are the pants actually magic? Like, literal magic? Yes. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I like that in this movie, they don't get into the, like, background of the magic of the pants. No. And they're not, like, casting spells. I would have liked a little more magic, actually. Oh, okay. I would have liked if each one of them, something strange happens, and then they like kind of go, like, huh? And they look at their pants, and they're like, all right. And then, because there's a lot of parts in this movie where things work out and in a way that doesn't always make sense. Right. If they would just go further with that and then acknowledge it is the magic of the pants. Mm. That would have been fun. Pants. Because the pants kind of seem evil. Yeah, there's a couple of them, like a couple wears where nothing seems to be going well for anybody. Like Tibby doesn't have a good time in the pants. Well, Tibby puts them on and then gets her pay docked for wearing pants. Yeah. And she was only staying home so she could make more money. So the one thing she's trying to do, the pants uh, stopped her. When Lena puts them on for the first time, they somehow get attached to metal underwater and almost drown. (laughs) <laughs> it's like some rebar down there. Yeah. And she almost then, drowns. Yeah. And then Carmen puts them on and she has a pretty uncharacteristic outburst. Yes. And it's not like crazy, but she's throwing rocks, which didn't seem like it was in her character just a while ago. And then what's her name? The little girl puts them on and dies. That was sad. Did you get a little emotional when she died? No. Oh, I did. I was not invested in that character. Really? No. Oh. 
she seemed like she was from one of our Christmas dog movies. Oh. She gave a certain type of performance that, like, I don't want to say anything bad because this is some 12-year-old kid, but yeah. I don't know. I had some issues with it. Yeah. Let's go through the four storylines. Who would you like to start off with? Well, should we start off by talking about Alexis Bledel, who plays Lena Kilgaris? Who is shy and beautiful. Yes. Because they tell you their characteristics at the beginning. And she's just shy and beautiful. That's all we know about her. Mm -hmm. They do, in typical romantic comedy fashion, try to establish clumsiness as a character trait and not just a physical attribute. Yeah. Because all of her characteristics are just what she looks like. True. She's beautiful and clumsy. It's like, that's not describing her. No. That's just things that you've attributed to her. Um, So she goes to Greece. Where... All white Americans go in movies where they have to find themselves because it's exotic, but the people are still Christian and they don't have dark skin, so it's all right. Right. Greece and Italy. Greece and Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where she meets Costas. Costas? Costas. You see it a couple different ways yeah, in this movie? Yeah, it's, it's multiple different pronunciations of it. So I'm going to call him Costas. Costas? I don't know. You're telling me what you're going to call him. Michael. Okay, Mike. That's <laughs> Michael Rady, who plays Costas, Costas, Custis. Um, he is in college and yes. sweeps her off her feet using his fishing boat. And uh, then you find out that her family is in some kind of Romeo and Juliet feud with his family. Because of fish sales, I think? Yeah, like the fish he was sold made someone sick. Is that what it was? That's yes. dumb. Yeah. Yeah, this one feels the maybe the most phoned in. It's a, a very typical story of I'm shy, but then I go to a foreign land and he's handsome and foreign, no other characteristics. But now I'm confident and my hair is curly. Yeah. That's that's the whole story. That's, that is kind of the whole story. I almost liked this one because I have a predisposition to like Alexis Waddell. Oh, I love her. I'm just, I just love Gilmore Girls so, so much <laughs> that I uh, like her too much. And then the more I think about it, I was like, yeah, it's kind of the worst story of all of them. It's the most basic. Mm-hmm. And it's literally ripped off of like a classic Shakespeare story. So it's not like. Which one? Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that part. Yeah. I thought you meant about a shy person finding themselves. No. Which is ripped off from every romantic comedy of the 90s. <laughs> Um, so I found it definitely, like you said, it was a little phone in, but it was so beautiful. The scenery and everything, all of the scenes with her and, um, her vacation crush are just like so beautiful to watch that I think I found myself enjoying those scenes a lot because it was just so like scenic and beautiful. Oh, that didn't have the same effect on me. I think maybe because I'm more critical as far as visuals in film and right. i felt like this looked like it was shot like a tv show it didn't uh utilize that great backdrop as well as it could have i just remember wanting to go to greece after this right let's go <laughs> well not now because we can't go anywhere no one day greece won't allow us to come but yes someday we will go to greece and i will hopefully not drown in jeans yeah don't go swimming in jeans she just falls into the ocean yes so she's sitting there and then She's like, hey, is that a boy over there? Cranes her neck and then falls into the ocean. Yeah. 
Um, also, Alexis Bledel never wears an actual bathing suit. The no. other time she goes swimming, she just is wearing underwear. Well, that is the part where we're supposed to see her character change. And she yes. gives this monologue of everyone else has gone through so much and can still love, but I've gone through nothing and can't love. You know what? I'm changing now. I've decided to change. <laughs> and I will show this by crying and taking off my clothes because she was so uh, not ashamed of her body, but like she didn't like to be exposed in the mm -hmm. past. And so she takes off her clothes and jumps into the ocean. And then we get that great song. That's The music in this movie is very bad. That's one thing I'm was unforgiving. Was it written of. for the movie? I think most of it was actually out before this. Seriously? Yeah. These but... are real songs. Yeah. Oh, oh. 2005 was a different time, man. Yikes. And a lot of them seem like they're from shampoo commercials. They're that kind of mm -hmm. music. Um, but anyway, the music actually that's playing at this point, I remember it. it the lyrics are, can you turn my black roses red? Oh, okay. That is a real song. I do remember that song from being a angsty teenager. Because I was like 16 or 17 when this came out. Mm -hmm. So I do remember that song. So that's playing. She's crying in the water. And then this 25-year-old man sees her crying in the water, jumps in and they make out. Yeah. That's, that seems wrong to me. We don't know how old he is, but it does. He's too old for her. He's too old. That's how old we know. Yeah. He looks, I would say, 25 plus. Okay. Yeah. For the sake of the movie, they might be saying like, oh, no, he's just 21. That's still wrong. She's 16. True. She is 16 years old. That's not cool. So speaking of this 25-year-old guy, he was born and raised in Chicago, but he still has a Greek accent. So he just developed it when he moved Yeah, because he moved back to Greece when he was 12. Yes. <laughs> you don't get an accent at the no. age of 12. That's not how no. it works. It's like all the people who move to like London as an adult and then start to like just have an accent. Just yeah. to have a British accent. Like a Madonna thing. Yeah, you're just fancy, so you just have that accent. He doesn't even have a Greek accent. He has a foreign accent. He yeah. just can't pronounce things right. It's just... It might just be a speech impediment, because he doesn't have a Greek accent. Maybe he just got hit in the head. Maybe. That makes more sense. Like falling off a fishing boat? Yeah, he just fell out of a tree. <laughs> Maybe his pants got stuck on that same piece of rebar, and he was without oxygen for so long. So that's why he just stays there waiting for people to get attached to that yeah. and save them. Because he's like, no one else will go through what I went through. And it damaged his brain, the lack of oxygen. This makes more sense. I like it all. Perfect. Okay, so we've solved one mystery of this movie. Another bit I felt weird about in this story was when they go through her sketchbook and saw the shirtless pictures of him and the nipples are really accentuated like she really circles those oh, nipples yeah, hard right. they almost look 3d because she was like putting a lot of pressure on the yeah. pencil yeah because she's like 16 and really into nipples apparently she's into men's nipples that's her thing that's that's fine i guess i don't Whatever. know it was just odd because so much of this movie, I just keep thinking like, oh, you're 16 and he's much older. And that's, that creeps me out. Yeah. It was, it was too much of an age difference. Mm -hmm. it, would, it would be so easy to have him be a high school student. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. There is this thing that's perpetuated by movies 
And oddly enough, it's usually movies targeted at women, not ones targeted at men, that make it cool for, like, an older college guy to date a high school girl. Yes. That's not cool. That's not right. I don't like it. Why do movies keep saying that's a cool, like, oh, it's so romantic. He's he's sophisticated. Yeah. High school boys aren't sophisticated. No. They're not. You're right. But you're also a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. You're um, you're not so special either. <laughs> You don't need to go date college guys. That's, it's weird. It's true. If you're a college guy, you don't need to date high school girls. That's weird. So people are talking about you. When I was 16, my high school friend was dating a guy who was like 23. Oh, that's wrong. I felt so weird because when in my first year of university, I was dating a girl who's still in high school, but we started dating in high school and we had like a seven month age difference. But still, she was in high school, and yeah, it felt weird. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Remember when he takes her to a party, and everyone there is, like, 45? Yes. I weird. guess there's nobody under the age of 30 on this island. No, it seems like everybody's a parent. Yeah, yeah. they're all related to you, and they're all 40. Yeah, it's not like he took her out for drinks with his friends. It was, like, all adults. Yeah, everyone was, like, bald and had a mustache. And, like, he may be over 18, but it's, like, there's a difference between, like, teenagers and, like, young adults and adults. Because everybody was a parent. Everybody had a kid at home that was their age. Yes, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, that's what it looked like. But I guess all the kids stay, like, at the bottom of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Because there was a young couple down there. But once you get up the mountain, nobody under 40. It gets older as you go. Oh, maybe it's like some weird Like they should be at the thing. bottom of the mountain. Like you age when you go up. Yeah. Oh, she needs, I'm glad she got out of there. It's the magic of the pants. She did grow up, though, when she was there. She Probably did. from going up the mountain. Oh, probably. See, just put more magic in it. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> uh, the only other bothersome thing to me is that she then goes on that rant to her grandpa about how she should be allowed to go see him because she finally found herself. Why the grandpa? Yeah. She was always having these conversations with her grandmother, her yes. Yaya. Yaya. Which is a different sisterhood, right? Yes. But Yaya is grandma in Greek. Yeah. So her Yaya was the one saying you can't do it. But then she goes to the grandpa to plead her case. And it's just another, like, I know Andy's going on all of his feminist things like he always does. But like, why does she have to get his <laughs> approval? She, he wasn't the one standing in her way. It was the grandma. True. But then when the patriarch says it's okay, then it's okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else about shy and beautiful Lena? No, I just wish I could watch a whole movie set in Greece. You know, there's many of those. I know, I know. You should try watching a Greek movie, not one that's Americans going to Greece. Or let's just go to Greece. Let's just go to Greece. I just want to go anywhere. I would literally go anywhere right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... Should we talk about Bridget next? Sure, we can get all of our weird age statutory rape stuff out of the way early And then on. we can just talk about Carmen and Tibby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Blake Lively uh, plays Bridget Vreeland. Who is wild and unstoppable. And very sporty and tall. <laughs> These are the things that we know about her. And her mom's dead. And her mom's dead, yes. Remember at her mom's funeral when the priest is like shaming this dead woman? Yeah. That was mean and weird. There are things that you do not do if someone dies by suicide. 
You don't go like, why would she do that? I guess she was too weak. You yes. guys seem great, but I guess it wasn't enough for her. Yeah. That's, that's You don't up. shame them in their eulogy, and you don't report it in the news. Those are the things that you don't do. You don't report it in the news? Yeah. What do you mean? Like... Do priests normally, like, put out causes of death? No, no, no. no. I'm talking about, like, journalists. Oh, okay. Like, journalists don't write articles about people that they that were found who killed themselves. Unless it's a celebrity. Unless it's a celebrity. Well, they really shouldn't be writing about anyone no, who dies. No. Like, if you had a heart attack, they, that shouldn't be in the newspaper either. No. So this priest is really going for it and gives Bridget's mom, like, a huge sermon rant about how weak she was. Yeah. And that is horrible. And later on, one of the girls... I think it's America Ferreira says like, well, you're not like your mom. You're strong and you have us. And I was like, I, I guess it's we talk about mental health differently now. And that's great. So maybe that mm-hmm. we can just chalk up to being a product of its time. I but also, it still seems not cool. Yeah. The, I also think that Bridget talks about how she's worried that she's like her mom. Definitely. And so I could see that being like America Ferrara trying to be like, you're not like your mom. Yeah. Like you don't need to just live your life worrying that one day you're going to do that. That whole bit is very interesting, but how it's handled is real questionable. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Bridget. I think we had to talk about her before she has sex and after because it's it's a complete shift. Oh, she's a completely different person. Yeah, because that's what sex does to you. Teen girls out there, it changes everything. (laughs) I don't know any teen girls who listen to our podcast, so... At the beginning of the movie, she's kind of almost the leader of the group because she seems to have this self-confidence and this coolness, right? She's wild and unstoppable. She's wild and unstoppable, and she's like a foot taller than everyone else. So that means you're the leader. (laughs) Is that how it works? Yeah. It's it's done by height. (laughs) I'm going to start taking charge around this house a little more. Okay, you win. She is a soccer superstar, and we know that uh, her mom died. And those are really the only things that define her until she goes to soccer camp and is like... Well, we know she's like boy crazy. Yes. Because they say, like, you have to take off your own pants. Looking at you, Bridget. And she's like, touche, (laughs) touche. Yeah. And it's a joke a lot of the time. Yeah. So she goes to this soccer camp in Mexico. That looks awful. She seems like very rich. Yes. And then they send her to this terrible, terrible camp where there's like no windows on the bunks and it just looks Definitely looks no terrible. air conditioning. No. And it's summer in Mexico. So it would be probably like 100,000 degrees there. I like when they're on the bus on the way to camp, they all sing La Bamba because all 16-year-old girls in 2005 <laughs> know all the words all the word, in, Spanish in Spanish to La Bamba. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the... Writer was just like, well, we need something Spanish. What do you got? Uh, La Bamba? Sure, it's in. Just like there's that one Greek song that everyone knows, and that's what they played when Alexis Bledel was on her donkey going up there. Right. Yes. Have you ever ridden a donkey? No. Have you? I don't like it. You've ridden on a donkey? Yeah. I was climbing this mountain this one time, and it's like a two-day up and one day down and on the two days i was fine and then uh, the people i was with they said oh we'll get you a donkey as like a special treat but it was so much worse and i was like i just want to walk and they're like we paid for this donkey you're gonna ride on this donkey <laughs> so when no one was looking i would just get off the donkey i put my backpack on the donkey and then just walked with it because it's not comfortable so was the donkey like your pet then were you responsible for it i think 
the donkey was more like my employee. Your employee. Yeah, the donkey was working for me. <laughs> um, but anyways, they get to this terrible place, and uh, she sees the only man and goes like, that's it, that's the one, I'm going to get him. Like, literally the only man. Yeah. Like, this guy must have had teenage soccer girls just throwing themselves at him. Well, nobody else was nearly as aggressive, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, so should we get into that? Because she hits on this guy so hard. She's just a crazy yeah. stalker. The Bridget before they have sex is someone who should have the police called on her. Mm-hmm. She seems like a violent sexual predator. Like remember when she's when she sees him and says something, and then she just pours an entire bottle of water all over herself yeah. and like shakes her head like she's in a commercial. Yeah, that was weird. Or when they, she follows him to that cantina and is just like rubbing her butt all over him. Yeah. And he keeps saying no. Yes. And she's like, no, that's not an option. Yeah, this whole storyline made me very uncomfortable. And I think that it could have been played very differently. Mm-hmm. And we could have maybe had a co-ed soccer, soccer camp. Where yes. there were boys her own age. Just put a high school boy in there. Sneak it's out so of your easy. cabin and meet a high school boy, Bridget. Like, or don't go have for the coaches. multiple boys, and she has something in common with one of them. Yeah. Because like in so many of the romantic comedies we talk about, the best attribute men have in Christmas Prince or in this is physical proximity. You just had to be there. Yes. He, none of these men have done things. Oh, oh that's not right, because Cost just saves her life from the rebar that took his voice. But this guy has done nothing. <laughs> it took he's his American there. accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just there. She is boy crazy and uh, relentless. And when we say boy crazy, that's like a fun way of saying it for like teen movies. But in fact, it seems like it's diagnosed in this movie because she says... I'm obsessed. Obsessed girls can't be held responsible for their actions, you know? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's troublesome. And she says her psychiatrist said she's single-minded to the point of ruthlessness. So she, so she is diagnosed boy crazy. <laughs> single-minded to the point of ruthlessness. That sounds like she could become violent. She also says, I've never wanted anything as much as this. Before sex, she's a straight-up sociopath that should be in prison. Yes. And then after sex, he should be in prison for a statutory rape. Yes. Or at least some... He should at least be fired. We don't know how old he is, but he's old. He's too old. We know he's that. He's in college, too. Yeah. Because he goes to Columbia. She also lies about her age. Does she? Yeah, because out of nowhere, she runs up to him and goes, I'm 17. And that's like a weird thing to say because it wasn't part of the conversation. Yeah. But it's established that they're all 16 and they're all born within a week of each other. Right. And it's the summer and they were born in September, I think. I think so. So she's not. She's lying. Yep. It's just, it's a lot of weird age stuff. He says to her one point, you scare me. Yeah. And she takes it as a compliment. Yeah. That whole Mexico story just didn't really make sense. It's just strange. And so up to this point, before they have sex, you're like, okay, she's boy crazy and it's a movie. So we're going to ignore the fact that it's like criminal activity that she's doing. Right. But then 
after sex, it gets strange in a different way. Mm-hmm. So she instantly gets very depressed. And at first you think like, oh, it's because she has nothing left to conquer. And it was that was just her goal. And now she doesn't have a goal. Mm-hmm. And I have a bunch of ideas of what happens next. But I want to like ask you first, what do you think is going on in this change in Bridget? Um, I think she was led to believe that having sex would be some magical mythical thing and then instantly you'd be in love with the person that you had sex with and be with them forever oh that's better so i I, didn't get that but that's that's good that's just like a girl thing i think you were a better writer than than uh, (laughs) this movie had i was once a teenage girl um it i think that her depression after is realizing that life is still the same and that it's not this like huge incredible thing that changes your life and then she's feeling kind of ashamed or bad for doing this thing maybe when she wasn't ready or expecting this like super magical thing to happen and then she's like embarrassed and i think that uh that is why she becomes such a different person after if that were hinted at more i think that's a really interesting take and i think that's something that deserves to be in a movie like this Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i got enough from the movie to think that that's what they were trying to do I, I like your reading a lot, and I think it's better than what's there. But they need to tell you that going into it. Mm-hmm. Because having this reveal after the fact mm-hmm. and having her act all this way with seemingly no motivation other than it's a fun challenge, we have one idea of her through the first 75% of the movie. And then we get this reversal, and we're not sure what to make of it. Because it seems like they tie it into her mother's death, which complicates things in a bizarre way. Like she says at one point, if I'm happy, if I'm going out there to do something, if I'm not sad, it proves I'm not like her. Mm -hmm. So it seems like she was going after this guy to give herself some competitive drive to prove that she's not like listless and depressed like her mother. Right. But when you put it after the fact, after the act actually happens, it makes it seem like she was doing all of those things and they were kind of beyond her control. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that idea either about like teenage girls being sexual, but they have no say in the matter. Right. That was weird. And if we had the struggle or at least the idea of of like yours, which is a better idea than the movie presents, of she thinks that this is going to give her something to live for. Yes. It's going to be some sort of saving grace for her. If we have that before, we're with her on this journey. Mm-hmm. Even if we have the idea that if she sees this as something that will separate her from being like her mom, like this will make her happy, if we see it before, we understand it. But when it's after the fact like that, It just kind of gives us the idea that sex is bad and it's not going to solve your problems, which is true. It's not going to solve your problems, but it gives it a a real negative connotation. And in a movie that's targeted at teenage girls who are probably at the point where they're going to be having their first sexual experiences, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of conflicting muddled messages in here and i'm not sure. sure what they were going for. It's kind of all over the place. It is kind of all over the place. I do like that 
after when she's depressed she comes to a realization that it's not a cure all but we didn't know that that's what she was thinking going Mm -hmm. in we need to be let in on that journey if the payoff is going to work for us as an audience because we didn't know what she her journey was until after it already happened and even after it already happened i'm still not sure it seems like it's linked with her mom but what you're saying is a better answer. Yeah, I didn't really understand other than the fact that she's trying to prove that she's not like her mom and that she's not sick. Um, I think that she needed, like you said, a little bit more on the front end of the movie to kind of explain why she does what she does. Yeah, having it all after the fact seems like they are putting complexities into this movie that... I don't think we're in there for the first half. Mm -hmm. And they're really interesting things, but putting it just at the end doesn't give us any opportunity to explore those complexities with the character. Mm -hmm. It's just we can talk about it after and be like, what happened there? I'm not really (laughs) sure. So it's it's a weird one. It is a weird one. And this one definitely made me the most uncomfortable watching it as an adult as well. I don't know. I can't remember how I felt about it when I first watched it in 2005 when I would have been about this age. But I think that this is definitely one that makes me cringe now as an adult. Mm -hmm. I think there can be good takeaways from this story, but Mm -hmm. the execution was sloppy, poor, problematic. Any of those. Any of those, yeah. Yeah, especially watching it as someone who works with girls this age. Yeah. And like trying to be a mentor to them that's the thing and not be too pushy and not try and parent them it's like how do you like this is such a model of approaching this kind of topic Mm -hmm. because you coach high school and i've talked high school so we both are like this is not cool we don't like it no and i've definitely talked about some like awkward kind of can't talk to my parents about this kind of thing with with, like some of my kids and i'm just like this is not how you do this and as crazy as bridget appears in the first half of her story let's not take any blame off of this guy yes. because I taught high school when I was still in university. So I had like a four year age gap Yeah, and I had a student hit on me and I shut it down right away unequivocally because that's what you do. You're yes. in char- You're in a position of authority. You are her coach. Yeah. That's, that's not cool. So this guy, and then he comes back and says like, Oh, when you're 20, look me up. Yeah. That's And that's supposed to be a charming thing in this movie. It's not because you're forgetting that the other half of that is when you're 20 and I'm 30, look me up. <laughs> I don't think he's 10 years older than her. No, but, but she's 16. He, he could be 10, 26. Does he, would that be crazy? I think he's probably closer to 22, but I don't yeah. think 26 is a crazy guess for that guy. So in like American movies, it tends to be... The four-year college experience right after high school, right? So you're like 18, 19, 20, 21. Okay. So I go into this thinking, assuming that he's between 18 and 21. Because he's still at Columbia, right? Like, they don't specify that he's getting a master's or a doctorate or something, right? Like, You you don't think that guy's working (laughs) on his doctorate? No. No, I do not. Um, A doctorate in soccer and underage girls. A doctorate in blonde bangs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He did have quite fancy hair. (laughs) 
There's a lot of fancy hair. There's a lot of fancy hair. In a lot there. of fancy bangs yeah. by dudes in this movie. Oh, maybe just two, actually. I shouldn't say a lot. Yeah. So I uh, I assume that he and Costas are under the age of, like, 22. Because they're both in college. But you also have to look at them. Yes. And, and they, they do not look, look like 19-year-olds. Yeah. No, you're right. They look like Riverdale <laughs> teenagers who are all oh, 27. Teenagers. Yes. Yeah true yeah you're right i'm not trying to like make excuses for them i was just saying like i assume that it's the classic you know right college experience in the states which is to 21 22 sure so let's say she's 16 and he's her 20 year old coach yeah still wrong still wrong yeah. no, no, no i'm not more. saying it's not wrong but maybe i'm talking more to gap years i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's so easy to just have a high school student. Yes. And, or have someone who looks of a similar age. Because we know that most of these actresses are also older than what they're playing. Although I think, what's her name? Bridget was close to this age. But Alexis Bledel is older at this point. I only know that because I know this is around season five, six of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> you would. We should just do Gilmore Girls on this. We've both seen it. We have. But maybe we do... Like two months of Gilmore Girls. And we just do like one episode per season. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. Or, yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll think about that. Um, you out there, if you would love to see that, let us know. <laughs> if you would stop listening to us, let us know as well. Yes. <laughs> That'll please. help us decide. <laughs> Maybe. I have a lot of thoughts on April Gilmore Girls. April will be Gilmore Girls month. Ooh. It should be. Like, April and internationally. half of May. Because isn't there like six seasons? I think it's six plus that Netflix oh, the four, four movie episode. type thing. Four movie, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, we should get back to this movie. <laughs> what movie do we watch? Do you have anything more to say about uh, Bridget? No. This was also kind of like Lena. It was it was very f- like flat for plot, so there's not like a whole bunch of complex layers. But then at the end, they give you all this like, oh, I was doing that, so I don't seem sad like my mom and then I won't kill myself and I tried to find happiness through sex and you're like wait what where did that come from (laughs) quick note (laughs) like address those things if you're gonna put them in that's such an important thing to talk to teenage girls about too so it could have been such a good teaching moment it hinted at the most complex and interesting thing in this entire movie and then didn't deal with it at all yes yes and I Still get mad. I'm going to talk about another show now. Um, with Glee, when um one of the main characters committed suicide, and they Mr. Glee, Mr. Glee, yeah, and he they didn't address it on the show. It was such a good moment for like teaching. Someone and... killed themselves, and they didn't talk about it. No, what? Like not on the show, they didn't kill themselves. In real life, they did. Oh, and it was such a good moment. Like they were still filming the show. Did it, they? How did they write the character out? Um, he died, but they didn't really explain it. Oh, so weird. it could have been such a good episode, focusing on something that a show that high school students watch could have actually really been beneficial. And they could have done something really great with it. And I feel like this is another kind of moment where they could have done something really good with this. I can't speak to Glee at all. But yeah, this seemed like maybe it was an idea from the book that they didn't have the 
nuanced writing or like tact to deal with earlier and then just mm-hmm. threw it in but it, it didn't work whatever they were doing yeah no i agree i agree should we move a little closer to home and talk about tibby <laughs> can i just say one other thing <laughs> yeah. about bridget remember how she runs yeah <laughs> i didn't know people could not know how to run but what's the actress's name uh blake lively blake lively does not know how to run and it's especially funny because they keep making a point of how she's like the best athlete <laughs> and she's like look at me i'm gonna run by everyone and then you just see her like swing her arms diagonally <laughs> and they're like all close up like 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 when a baby's running and their fists are like balled up by their shoulders <laughs> She runs uh, very silly. Yes. But okay, yeah, let's talk to uh <laughs> let's talk to Tib talk about Tibby. Yeah, let's talk about Tibby. What's Tibby short for? Tibbethy? Tibberly. <laughs> I was gonna say Tibberly. Tibifer. <laughs> Tibifer. Tibitha. Tibitha, it's probably Tibitha. I'm going to say probably Tibitha, but uh, I just noticed uh, we sorry, we had to stop the podcast for a moment right here. You're not even wearing jeans? No. I put on my I put on jeans specifically for this episode. Are you actually? He is wearing jeans. I'm of course, s- I failed. These you. are my traveling pants. <laughs> like, I send them to my friends. They go around the world every month. What friends do you send your pants to? Well, they're magic. So although my friends are much uh, larger than I am, and some one of them only has one leg, but you know what? They're magic pants. They just kind of work. Whoa. I was wearing, like, jean sort of jeans at work today, and I should have kept them on. You should have. But I refuse to wear work clothes longer than 10 minutes into me being in the house. So. I also, like, hate wearing them right now. I don't like wearing jeans at home. I don't do it, because why? You just take them off. <laughs> no, we're not until the podcast is open. Over. Okay. So, Amber Tamblin. I think it should be Tamberlin, but it's Tamblin. Tamber... Tamberlin is what you think it should be? Amber Tamberlin is what <laughs> I think it any. should be. But it's Amber Tamblin. It is, yeah. What is she from? Joan of Arcadia. Right. I knew she had like a show because everyone was kind of known for something. Yeah. I think I think this was at the same time. I've never seen that show, but I do always think it's funny how many Christian primetime TV shows there are. But isn't that weird that there's like religious TV shows? Yes. It's weird. I just discovered that there's like Christian fast food chains. Go on. In the States. There's one called Pizza Ranch. How how is it Christian? Because I know things like Chick-fil-A are just owned by fundamentalists and they're like, hey, we love chicken, but we hate gays. Come on in. (laughs) Um, No, they like play christian music over the speakers like exclusively and um i'm probably i've never been to a pizza ranch so i don't know but i was reading about it on the internet this week i would love to go to an actual pizza ranch like a ranch oh it sounds amazing where there's rather than cows you're herding pizzas Hmm. go on a cattle drive a pizza drive that sounds amazing yeah um, and apparently they print like Bible verses on their cups and stuff. And uh, one person that I saw online in this thing that I was reading said that uh, they were announcing that they were donating all of their tips and profit that day to a teen preg- pregnancy crisis office or something. And it was basically like scaring people away from having abortions. It was like an anti-Planned Parenthood place. 
and I think I've ranted about it before, so I won't again, but we here in Edmonton have schools that if you have a teaching degree, you can't teach at unless you say you love Jesus, and they're publicly funded. And you have, like, the documents and the baptism to prove it. Yeah. And the letter from a priest. But we still complain that Muslims are taking over because once I saw a lady wearing hijab. Yeah. So Ugh. that's what we need to worry about. Ugh. Let's get back to our podcast. Pants. <laughs> Pants. <laughs> Tambor Amblin. <laughs> she plays Tibby, the rebel. The rebel. She has like... What's she rebelling against? Her life. She just wears black clothes. Yeah. Which Which of these do you most identify with? Which sister? I think I want to be Lena. You want to be Lena or you are a Lena? Or you like Lena? Because those are three different things. I like Lena. I think I might be more of a Carmen. Um, and I think I want to be alternative, like Tibby. Hmm. But I am the opposite of alternative. <laughs> I liked Lena most. And then I realized this character has nothing. I think I'm just thinking of Rory Gilmore, who she's kind of playing in this anyway. I a toned be, down Rory Gilmore. I could Gilmore. just be thinking of that. But then I think Carmen is my favorite story. But I'm probably a Tibby. Yeah. It's making movies and being angry at the world. That's kind of what a oh, kind of my deal. That's your like mo. Yeah. yeah, you're you're just Tibby. Yeah, that sucks. Well, <laughs> let's get into her. So Tibby features the famous Cancer Kid narrative, which is one episode of every sitcom from 1983 to 2005, I guess, because <laughs> yeah. this is one of them. Uh, so many sitcoms would have one special episode where they bring a character in for one episode who we've never seen before, and it's someone's classmate usually, and then we find out that they're dealing with cancer, and then they die, and we don't actually care about the person with the cancer, we just need to see the friend, or friend, because they didn't know them before that episode, mm -hmm. but the cast member that we know, how they learn a lesson from this child dying, and that's definitely what happens here <laughs> yes exactly so bailey is a young girl who happens upon tibby at her job and um, or she happens upon bailey because bailey, bailey because is laying on the ground unconscious and there's all these chairs around her yeah. so it made me think that she had stacked five chairs up and then fallen off of them and her fainting was not related to the leukemia at all I think it was related to the... I think she was Why supposed to have like a seizure there? or something. Why was she on so many chairs? I don't know. Maybe she crashed into them and tried to like hold on to them for support when she was going down. And she pulled them down. But they're in the middle of the aisle all surrounding her. Hmm. I think she was on a stack of chairs. Maybe she had some sort of episode related to her leukemia. I'm not sure if it what it does. I don't know if seizures are a part of leukemia. It could also just be like a side effect of a drug. Sure, that she's but taking. I think she just fell off the chairs. Okay. Why are all those chairs there? Just because it's like set dressing. Chair? <laughs> Several chairs knocked over on the ground is beyond set dressing. That has to say that like something happened here where she was on chairs. Maybe she was sitting on a bunch of chairs. I think <laughs> I think that's what happened. You're right. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I Go. feel like I'm not going to win this one, so I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> it's just, it's an odd detail that they put in all these chairs around her. 
They didn't have to do that. I feel like filmmaker indie is coming out. That's not filmmaker <laughs> indie. That's human who saw what was on the screen. I was like, hey, if I saw you on the ground and there were chairs all around you, I would assume something happened with those chairs. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, oh, Samantha came into the room put the chairs down, and then thought they looked good on the ground. They looked resting. So I'm going to take a nap amongst these chairs. I wouldn't think that. I'd think you fell off the chairs. But me taking a nap would be the thing that would happen. <laughs> yeah, you, that's most likely what happens. But <laughs> Okay, you're right. It was weird. Chairs should not be on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so Tibby, we're told, is a rebel. We don't really see that at any point. But she is. Yeah. She works at a Walmart-type store. Yep. And she's going to make a succumentary. <laughs> yes, to rebel against her normal life. So I rewatched some of it today, and I came across Tibby's arc because I didn't know what it was the first time I saw it. So I guess at first, she's making a succumentary, because saying like, oh, everyone sucks. Everyone's the yes. worst. I'm so much better, or maybe not even that part, but just like everything's terrible. Yes. I didn't realize that was her character because it's not really established. It's kind of just that one line. It is, yeah. But then we're led to believe that through her friendship with Bailey, she realizes that people are good. Yeah. That's at least a good idea. Yes. I don't think it's executed terribly well. No. But it's... It's an idea. Yes, she becomes a better person because of Bailey and because Bailey died. Yeah, it's about the death a lot, which is weird. That's just such a, a standard trope of mm -hmm. cancer kids. Yeah. I think Tamber Amblin had so little personality that they had to bring a completely different character in to make her even interesting and palatable. I do feel like it's a little manipulative that they do it with a dying child. Mm -hmm. it, what could have been really interesting is she's making this documentary and just saying like, oh, everyone's the worst. I'm so much better. And she's interviewing some old lady who works at the store with her. And then she starts relating to things about her. And then she finds like some sort of kinship with this, with this other person. And you don't have to kill someone to do it. Yeah. You could just be like, oh, you know what? Just because someone has these outward appearances, they have more going on. Mm -hmm. I'm not special. Everyone has lots that they're dealing with. Yeah. That would have been fun. That would have been good. I think that the writers could have done a lot more with the fact that her parents seem to have one or two, like, infants in the house. Yeah. So it, it could have been a little bit more, like, teenage daughter dealing with new infants and, like, kind of competing for attention and that kind of thing. But they didn't introduce that as much? No. At the very beginning, when we're getting the montage of them growing up, we see, like, a 10-year-old version of her mm -hmm. saying, like, they're having another kid now. But then why is that kid still an infant? Yeah. Huh. It's, like, another baby. So then where's that other kid? There should be, like, a 6-year-old. Yeah. That's weird. I didn't really think about that. No, me neither. But they could have done a lot more with, like, her feeling left out or her feeling like all of a sudden she's just free babysitting. Like, it could have been a lot more emotional almost. 
but she didn't really seem to have that that kind of depth until Bailey gets there. Yeah, her character is is another one. They're just not not entirely developed, mm-hmm. or I guess they start off as kind of blank, and then through each one in varying degrees of success, learn something that makes them into a full character. I think. Yeah, the characters in this movie definitely look and read like they were built for younger readers, book-wise. I'm assuming, I haven't read the books probably since before this movie came out, so I think that 13, 12, 11, 10-year-olds are reading these... Sorry, 13, 12, (laughs) 11, 10? Yeah. Okay, got it. (laughs) I think that they're reading these books and thinking about being older. So if we have like a super complex character or a very kind of moving storyline, they might not understand what to do with it. Maybe, but I feel like you're talking down to your audience I know, then because I know. like I don't know, I hate <laughs> this sounds weird when I say hang out. I should say teach or educate <laughs> i educate a lot of 12 year olds and they they are more on it than we give them credit for i think okay so bailey when it's revealed she has leukemia also it's revealed by her neighbor mm-hmm. tippy just walks up to their porch and some stranger goes like oh you're here for the leukemia girl huh She's going into the hospital today, all that leukemia. Yeah. Like, why would you tell that to a stranger? Yeah, that's, that's not... like personal health information. <laughs> so she finds out she has leukemia, and then she's like, oh, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to act differently. Yeah. And then she, Bailey, proceeds to act incredibly differently <laughs> yeah. after that point. So she was just like a kid who was like, would you steal my wallet? What the fuck's wrong with you? She's just like a jerk kid yeah. at first. And then we learn she has leukemia, and then she gets all philosophical and doesn't talk like any child. No. She's like, oh, when I look at the stars, it just gives me hope that perhaps somewhere, someplace, sometime, there's more out there for me. Yeah. My true fear is that I'm afraid I won't ever get a chance to find my place in this spinning marble we call earth and i was like where the fuck is this coming from yeah all of a sudden she's talking like this 50 year old like sage wise woman that's another thing in a lot of movies where they have like a really precocious it's almost always a girl it's usually the sister or someone of one of the main characters that they go Mm -hmm. to to talk to and then this like tiny girl gives this very wise advice that's in a lot of movies and I actually liked it for a long time, and then I became very aware of it. And now whenever I see it, I'm just like, yeah, we know. We've done this so many times. <laughs> We're with you. We get it. We get it, 500 Days of Summer. Although I still like that movie a lot. <laughs> Remember when Carmen comes back and is talking to Tibby about how bad everything went? And Tibby's like, well, your dad was just trying. At least he's not dead, yeah. essentially. saying yeah. like, That's not the point. She wasn't being a good friend at that point and carmen comes around and apologizes to her for like oh sorry about making it about me but you were talking about your stuff that was about you you can't just make the argument of like well at least they're not dead like my tiny friend who i kind of hate but and nobody's ever met other than me (laughs) yeah it definitely speaks to their like immaturity as people as young girls um, because they're all so wrapped up in their own thing. 
I'm not sure I 100% agree with that because I think they do do a very good job of getting out of their own heads and trying to help out their friends the best they can. I think it more speaks to the immaturity of writing technique. Mm. I think that's just an easy thing to do to make a conflict in that one situation where they wanted the conflict and then they do it. I'm not sure I give them enough credit that they were doing this intentionally to show the immaturity of the characters. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's too complex a thing to give them. Remember when Tibby told Bailey, like, take the pants, they'll give you a miracle cure. She told him that the pants would cure her leukemia. Yeah. Maybe all we need for leukemia cure is pants. Magic pants. Magic pants. Spoiler alert. They didn't help. Mm, Bailey still dies. And I guess Bailey teaches her a lesson of being kind to others, maybe? Yeah, and like happy with your current life. Yeah, well, they start off doing it as Bailey sees these things in other people that Tibby doesn't. Right. And that's a teachable thing. Mm -hmm. But then having her die makes, and having Tibby be angry at Carmen for those types of things makes it seem like the lesson Tibby learned is we could die, so we should be better now because we're alive. Which isn't a great lesson. Because there was a better one already there. Yeah. I definitely think they could have gone with that other lesson as opposed to forcing all of this emotion and kind of growing up really quickly on Bailey, on her, like, her relationship with Bailey. So let's talk about our final best friend, uh, Carmen. The writer. The writer. That's the only description we get at the very beginning. So how much of this movie do you see her writing? Like, almost none. I think it is zero. I don't think she ever writes anything. No. She, like... (laughs) dictates a letter with the pants at one point oh true i guess everyone writes a letter yeah but Um, not any more than everyone else no like everybody's a writer if that's the standard and i guess this story is something that she wrote in that's how the framing story works because she's narrating at the beginning but then at the end everyone narrates yeah so it is a little muddled there what's actually happening it's a weird thing because yeah she's supposed to be writing like the memoir of the pants And then everyone is the memoir of the pants. I'm going to write a memoir for my pants. Yeah, the ones you're wearing or different pants? All of them. Every pair of pants. Oh, it's going to be a life's work. I'm not sure if any of it picks up on the mic, but we are having a giant winter storm right now. So if you hear things, that's what it is. So I like this one a lot because it's the most fully developed story and it could have been its own movie while everything else could have been an episode of a sitcom yes this is a a movie yes absolutely um girl meets her new family feels allegiance to her mom still thinks her dad is bad for finding a new family hates her new family like this is totally like a full movie i didn't even find it so much that there's an allegiance to her mom i think it was just all about the betrayal of her father doing all these things she wanted him to do with her with these people she's never met right and here's a tip for all of you out there a new family shouldn't be a surprise (laughs) don't be like hey i got a surprise you're staying with all these people and your family now and we're getting married yeah here's your sister bye (laughs) yeah don't don't sneak that up on people if you're getting a new family maybe like ease people into it i think surprises in general 
we think that big things should be surprises. They shouldn't. <laughs> Fun, little, pleasant things should be surprises. Like, hey, we're going to dinner at this place that you love. That's a fun surprise. That's a fun surprise. Hey, you have another family. Not a fun surprise. No. Good to know, but it shouldn't be a surprise while you're moving in with them. No, exactly. I've replaced you with this tiny blonde girl. Not a fun surprise. So this one has Bradley Whitford, and you can kind of tell my age that the actor I know of this movie the most, <laughs> outside of Gilmore Girls yes. cast, is Bradley Whitford, who does such good work in so many things. So I liked him in that. Is he just like always a dad? No, he's he has a good bit of range. He has a few things he's typecast as. Right. So sometimes he's like a Weasley company man. I haven't seen West Wing, but he, I think, was in that for years, so I'm not sure who he plays in that. Um, but he's in he's in lots of movies. He's I guess he's versatile ish. Yeah. Now that I think about it, so he was the dad in Get Out. His family, his new family, I think they grow up to be the family in Get Out. Really? Because there's a lot of racial stuff in both. Uh, clearly. Yeah. Huh. And he has like in this movie he has like a perfect like white family. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying white. I'm saying like very literally because they are often dressed in all white yeah. and they're so so blonde. Yes. And like kind of what we think of a like a picture perfect but to an uncomfortable degree. Yes. Like they're all very bleached. Yeah, and which is also kind of going on in Get Out and he's the dad in that. Yeah. Whoa. <gasps> is Get Out like I think Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is a prequel to Get Out. Whoa. Whoa, man. Where is America Ferreira? Or has she already died? Probably. Have you seen Get Out? I think so. It's like a guy who's dating a blonde girl and she takes him home to meet her family? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have seen it. It was a while ago, but I saw it. So I assume that that was the second time that this family has done that. And the first victim was America Ferreira. Yeah, she's probably dead. Yeah. Or she's been, like, brainwashed into being whatever. No, not blonde. You think that's more of a Stepford Wives thing. You would be, like, a a caretaker. Yeah. Oh, Maria. Like, you turn into Maria. Yeah. Yeah. The the housekeeper. Right. She's probably a housekeeper now. Probably. They hide her in the back. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, go watch Get Out, but we'll stop talking about it now. (laughs) One little weird thing. Remember when the phone rings and she's like, oh, I'll get it. And they say, oh, we never answer the phone during dinner, except for this one time. Tell the story, Dad, tell it. Yeah. Like, well, I called here, it was a wrong number, and this was the only time your mom ever answered the phone, and we started talking, and now we're getting married. Do you think that was, like, in the world of the movie, do you think they're making that up? Because it seems, like, too ridiculous. Like, to make a point of saying, I never answer the phone, but the one time I did, I married the person. Yeah, that's weird. I think they're making it up. I think think they met on like an internet dating site. They met on Tinder. Yeah. And they don't want to tell their kids that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like a one night hookup and they decided that they actually liked each other and then got together. But they can't tell people at their wedding like, oh, yeah, we like hooked up one night at the bar. Or this is 2005. Yeah. They met on like eHarmony or something, right? Yeah. Plenty of fish. That's is that what that I don't know that was a oh, of course it's a dating site look at the name huh I never really thought about that <laughs> um and it's like new and taboo yeah I think that's what it yeah. was yeah I think that's that's what they're lying about 
Because, yeah, that whole story seemed very unbelievable. And the fact that their kids want to keep hearing it, that's just weird, too. Yeah, that is weird. You'd think that they'd be like, ew, we don't want to know how you met. Gross. Mom, stop telling me how you banged this dude who called you one day. (laughs) I wouldn't want to keep hearing about that. I also don't understand how you can talk to someone on the phone for so long that called a wrong number that you end up getting married. No, I never get past three sentences tops. I answer phones for a living and I don't talk to people who call the wrong number. So I liked Carmen's character because she seemed a little bit more dynamic than some of the other characters. Definitely. She had kind of thoughts and feelings and she didn't seem irrational except for when she was very very upset when you would kind of be a little bit irrational she seemed to have a little bit more world experience than her friends and that's probably because she's been through divorce and her parents separating and all of that stuff so she's had a little bit more need to be a little bit more emotionally older She seems that way for sure, but I don't think her situation is necessarily that different because Bridget, her mom killed herself, Mm -hmm. so she's being raised just by her dad. Tibby, I don't know if we ever see a father. I don't think he's not in the movie. I'm not sure if he's in her life or not. We see the mom with the baby. She seems kind of like a struggling single mom Mm -hmm. as well. So it seems like other people are going through things as well, but Carmen seems to be affected by it the most, perhaps. Mm -hmm. It's the most obvious in her story. And it's just a more plausible or at least interesting story to me. The idea that she's going to spend this time with her dad for the first time in so long and she's so excited and then has her world turned upside down suddenly. And like, oh, yeah, you thought you were going to spend all your time with your dad the first time since you were 10, that you're going to spend more than four days with him. And then you have to learn to share him with all these other people. And then she has to learn and realize that her father has moved on without her, Mm -hmm. which is something that like we never think of a child learning about their parents. You Mm -hmm. think about like... um, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or something is moved on without you. But to be a child and have to experience that through your parents seems very difficult. Mm -hmm. And that's why when she does snap at the dress store, it's, yeah, it's crazy and over the top. And you're like, oh, that's like a 16-year-old girl. But I I get it. Yeah. I'm not one to ever, um, like, do anything in public in the slightest bit. But I was like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. That she just felt so forgotten and not just forgotten, but also that everything she had hoped her dad would be, he now is, but for other people. Yes. And that seems very hard. And I'm sure lots of people could relate to that. Not even necessarily with parents, but even if you've gone through a breakup and then you see that person three years later and they're the person that you wished they would have been then. Yeah. You're like, where was that all this whole time? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's really sad to see her go through the being in uh, Charleston and watching her dad be this great golden father to these two kids and then also feeling like such an outsider because her new stepmom-to-be doesn't understand how different she is or take any time to kind of understand her culture. 
Nor does her father, seemingly. No. no. So it's really interesting to see her go through that. And I think that's something that, like, a lot of people that age can kind of relate with. Yeah. Feeling like an outsider and feeling like they're, you're not being understood. And another part I liked about this story, which made it my favorite of the four, is how she eventually deals with it. Because she does react in a, maybe we could say typically teenager way, but a more immature way initially. But then after her talks with Tibby, she gets to the point where she calls her father. And her father is like, oh, it's all right, I accept your apology. And she's like, no, I'm not apologizing. Dad, this is what you did to me. Mm -hmm. And that phone call was great. I think it's one of the best parts of the entire movie is when she calls her dad and says, like, this is what you did. This is how I felt. Because her journey, a lot of it was not just coming to terms with her father moving on, but being able to express these things. Because she was keeping it all inside for the longest time. And then eventually it burst out with the, like the rock throwing and the incident at the dress store mm-hmm. and her having the emotional maturity to realize I need to tell people what's yes. bothering me. I can't assume that they will figure this out, even if they are someone who is a, a father figure. Like supposed to know me. Yeah, yeah. Even your parents do not necessarily know these things. You have to help them. And really, in a perfect world, her father would have been taking these steps because he's the adult, but he is clueless, yes. essentially, in, yeah. in, in so many ways, his character is. She has the emotional maturity to realize that he can't do this, I need to do it. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, that was a great scene. I liked that a lot, the phone call. Yeah, that was that was really good. And it, I think it's one of those hard moments that, again, I think people who have gone through a divorce or something will kind of understand for sure let's fast forward to the end of the movie because carmen's story is the one that kind of continues into the period where all four girls get back together yeah and i did like that there was a good bit of time with all four of them again Mm -hmm. it was kind of frustrating though that all of the friends wouldn't listen to carmen when she said she didn't want to go to the wedding yeah and they basically pick lena up from the airport and force her to go to charleston yeah also if you're just coming off a like 20 hour travel day i also don't want to get into a car for seven hours and then go to a wedding yeah and change in like a diner bathroom yeah (laughs) none of that sounded fun I don't think she should have gone because her dad seems like he hasn't reached out to her this whole time. No. So why does the child have to be the one to make these grand gestures? Yeah. I guess that's a part of her growth, but I just keep coming back to it as being critical of uh, Bradley Whitford's character. Mm-hmm. And the friends kind of should have listened to her as well. Yeah, I think that's definitely like a um, movie thing. Like what? group of 16 year old girls are going to be allowed to like drive across the united states to get to someone's dad's wedding that they're not invited to yeah there's all that and then i just felt so uncomfortable for her Mm -hmm. of not wanting to be in the scenario and then being forced into it and then wearing the jeans and then being up at the front with everyone watching Mm -hmm. i i appreciate the gesture of the father at that point 
But as a 16-year-old girl who's going through all these body image things, yeah. then to be up next to that, all the tiny blondes in their dresses, and I, you're just there in your jeans next yeah. to them, it, seems, it seemed very uncomfortable to it me. It did. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely wouldn't be comfortable in anything other than, like, dress code for an event like that. Yeah. Right? Even as an adult who's, like pretty okay with the way that they look it's like i still want to be dressed for the event that i'm attending okay i have a better ending yeah so they're on their way to the wedding they stop at that diner like they do Mm -hmm. but they put her in a dress like maybe the dress got made or whatever Mm -hmm. so they put her in the pink dress and she comes out and they're like oh you look great and she's just like you know what i just can't and then they go it's all right here and then they give her the jeans she puts the jeans on they don't go to the wedding they sit at the diner they talk and they have fun and then the next shot is outside the window of the diner and then we just pull out yeah and we just have them them having pancakes or something being friends yeah because that's kind of that's what the movie's about yeah, right and that is a better ending I you like win that. yes you win ending <laughs> I know it's a good growth thing for her character, mm-hmm. but I felt like she shouldn't have to grow that much. She's a 16-year-old girl. Her yeah. father should have had to have done more. Oh, for sure. No, that's totally on the parents. And maybe her mom should have, like, checked in with her a little bit more. <laughs> also, the mom, when all of this goes down, she's like, well, I told you that was going to happen. Yeah. I hate to say I told you so. She was very judgmental. Yeah. And like, well, you know. It's like, thanks, mom. I'm yeah. 16, so you're the adult. Yeah. <laughs> like, how about you just, like, be an adult and guide me through this? Yeah, a lot was demanded from Carmen in this. Yeah, and too much for the age and the emotional maturity uh, that this character has, for sure. I like your ending. I I would love to rewrite this movie. <laughs> So we do the thing with Tibby where she doesn't have a dying girl, but she finds a, a friend because her mom's never around. Her mom's always working. So she finds an older coworker mm-hmm. and she learns her story about how she was just like Tibby. She was jaded and cynical. And then she found whatever it is that she found. Right. And then Tibby finds the same thing in her filmmaking, maybe. Yeah. And she starts learning about people and finding these interesting stories. And that's what she does. Mm-hmm. We get Carmen. She has that same journey that we talk about but then we end in the diner she doesn't have to go but then she goes like she is going to work on her relationship with her Mm -hmm. father but it's not something that'll be fixed by a grand gesture and she knows that yeah then with bridget you just put in the bit about she's doing all of these things because she wants to feel happy because she thinks if she feels a moment of loneliness she'll turn out like her mother. Yes. So that's the reason she's always with her friends. That's the reason as soon as she's separated, she's scared to be mm-hmm. alone. And that's why she latches onto this guy, not yeah. for all these weird sexual things that are going on in that movie. Yeah. And then she comes to that realization that I'm not my mom. I'm like myself. I have the support group in my friends. Yes. This movie is is very close to being very good. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good movie. I like this movie. It's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things I like most about it is because there aren't movies like this. There aren't many movies that focus on teenage girls and their friendship about them. You more often get your mean girls and Heathers and you get to see the uh, the worst part 
mm-hmm. about teenage girls. And you rarely get to see the best parts. Yeah. And this movie shows that. I wish they would focus on that more and allow that strength of friendship to carry it to carry these characters more than it does. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of like it's here and there and it's there when it's convenient. But I think like a few changes could make this a, a very good movie. Yeah, for sure. This is something that should be rebooted. We're rebooting everything. Yes, let's reboot this movie and make it better. Do this movie for today's generation because one of the big movements in movies and TV of today that I actually do like is there's a lot more empathy demonstrated. And mm-hmm. I feel like teenagers today are much more aware of how their actions are affecting others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like big and grand and a, a generalization. But I think when I was a kid, we weren't worried about like, oh, this person came out as trans. Make sure you get the pronouns right. We're just like, ah, whatever, we're kids. Yeah, Kids are more aware of that for the most part. I think that has to do with the amount of communication kids have too, Absolutely. right? Like, because you can see the world on a wider scale now. Yeah. With Instagram and Facebook and all the things that you can see with a phone. Yeah. And I think this uh, socially progressive nature, perhaps it is a trend, but like it's the best kind of trend oh, you could sure. possibly hope for. Yeah. So if you were to remake this movie, in light of all of that today, because mm-hmm. perhaps that's the journey of one of the characters. We don't need two like heterosexual romances anymore. No. Maybe one of them, that's her thing. I would prefer, so you have the Bridget character and she doesn't have her friends with her and then she finds a new friend or she comes to some sort of realization sexually as mm-hmm. well that like, you know what? Maybe I'm into women. And that's her learning experience, yes. not just... Like, hey, if I fuck some dude, it's not going to be great always. Because it just seemed, it's this movie's not bad. There's just so much more potential that I would love to see. Yes, absolutely. I really want to rewrite it now. I'm thinking of so many other things. <laughs> <laughs> and actually have them be four different body shapes. I'm like, yeah. three, like one A, one B, one C, and then America Ferreira. <laughs> like you could have some more variety yeah. in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because they were just kind of like, shorter than Blake Lively. That was, like, their different body type. And Alexis Bledel is a bit thinner. Yeah. And Blake Lively's a little more athletic. Yeah. And Tamblyn's kind of in the middle. Yeah. And Blake Lively's tall. They're all tall and thin, though. Yeah. And then America Ferrera. Yeah, so we could have actual variety. Maybe not just one person not being white. Because they make it... her character actually has to deal with like race issues. Mm-hmm. Maybe have another character who is not white, but that's not a part of her central plot. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of uh, good options, and I think this is a type of movie we need more of. Lots of people love this movie. Yes. And we're kind of like shitting on it a little bit. Right. Well, I think we both still think it's good. I think we both still think it's good. I don't think we're shitting on it like as a full movie. I just think it could be better. And that's like what I was saying. I can't remember which movie we're talking about. That movies like this, because there's so few of them, people love them even when they're deeply flawed like this one is. But that should show people that there is a market for this. There's an audience for this. Mm -hmm. And you can do much better because there's not a lot of movies out there like that. No, exactly. And this is such an easy way to communicate things to teens. Those teens. (laughs) 
Let us know what you thought of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, all of our listeners out there. I think uh, I want to hear if you saw it as a 16-year-old, what you think of it now as an adult. And uh, if you haven't seen it at all, what you thought of it as as an adult, uh, having not seen it as a young child. Um, you can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should Two Dash Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ILTYS and the number two. And you can email us those essays about traveling pants and sisterhoods at I Love This You Should Two, and that's the number two at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week when Indy reveals the magical Valentine's Day movie that we'll be watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, I better choose something romantic heavy on the romance please. yeah yeah so next week we'll have two things of the week and then my big pick for the week after that perfect okay well we'll see you next week bye everyone I've never seen this kind of wind in winter before. And it's like kicked up so quickly. It wasn't windy at all when I no. walked home. It wasn't windy at all three minutes ago. No. What were we doing? Talking about Tambor Amlin. Oh yeah, right. Before the end of the world started happening outside. <laughs>